Welcome to Focus Schools podcast, Leading for Impact. As we all are always trying to work on the idea of where we can help our school leaders and district leaders across the country in supporting students in every classroom every day. And specifically today's podcast is going to be focused around the idea of every school across the country is now faced with bringing students and teachers back to the building and almost relearning how we do school. And this has presented all kinds of things that we haven't really run into before at this time of year, certainly, you know, coming up on April, and we are now sort of starting a school year in some ways. So we thought it'd be really important today for me, Brett Bishop, member of Focus Schools for 10 years, and my good friend, Dr. Tony Hill, to talk a little bit about what we think um, is things that should be on the minds of these leaders as they go back, and also a little bit about what we might do. First of all, welcome, Tony. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. A pleasure to be here. We, we know um, you have such an incredible amount of expertise being a former principal and also someone who is a professor of social work at Springfield College in Springfield, Massachusetts. We thought you we know, are uniquely positioned to just help us think about what are some things that ought to be on the minds of these school leaders as they come back. And to open, I, I guess my first question is to think about what is the impact that this might have on students of all ages coming back to school? And how are your, you know, what are your thoughts that, that might be on the minds of school leaders as they go into this transition? What we have to recognize is that we're going through a pandemic. So the importance of realizing that we're not going to go back to business as usual. And what I mean by that is that, again, with the global pandemic of COVID-19, the racial unrest, and there's this anxiety that's still above us, even though there's hope with the vaccines, but now we're hearing about the variants. And now we're saying, uh, we're going to re-engage back into the school. And what we found is that schooling is more than just education. When you're thinking about the students and again, dealing with issues of isolation, dealing with being disconnected, feeling lonely, overwhelmed, anxious. Students, I think leaders need to be aware of how can we create meaningful connections and relationships. And there's been a lack of routines, a lack of structure. So I think that's something that we really need to focus in on. And I think additionally, also really looking at how do we address the learning loss, the equity gaps, uh, the trauma that has been experienced. And we know that especially in, well, for all folks, but especially in communities of color, just the grief and loss, how COVID-19 has really, really taken a, an extreme toll in communities of color, but also, so physical losses, but I think also we need to examine the symbolic losses of not going to school, not having the teachers, not being in with pairs, the supports, uh, sports, activities, extracurricular activities. How do we sort of prepare and address all of those issues? And I think it's going to take some careful planning, some, some strong efforts to really, really provide that sense of uh, safety uh, physically, socially, emotionally. That's something that we really need to really make those long-lasting connections and build even more so now strong relationships. It's interesting when I hear you say that, Tony, it sparks all kinds of thoughts in my head, but one of them is we're thinking about opening a school year. One of the best things that ever happened to me as a school leader was I learned from high-performing teachers how important those first six weeks of school were to them. And what they taught me was it was an interesting way. Uh, I remember a teacher explaining it to me as if you had two agendas that were being emphasized in a classroom at every minute of every day, all school year long, 
And she said, the managerial agenda and the instructional agenda. And she said, you know, the managerial agenda is often very, very low in the priority because the instructional agenda is the top priority, but you're managing a little bit all the time. But she said in the first six weeks of school, it's the opposite. The managerial agenda rises to the top and the instructional agenda drops because there's so much you have to teach kids about how to navigate through their days so they can be successful learners. So she said, those agendas are flipped in the beginning of the year and the managerial agenda is really high and the instructional agenda is lower. And then as the six weeks go, they sort of cross maybe at week three and by week six, the instructional agenda is way up high and the managerial agenda is low. And that really helped me to understand why her classroom functioned so well. And she said, you know, the rule I use is they really don't know anything about how to navigate the day. They don't know how to sharpen their pencil. They don't know how to ask for a bathroom pass. They don't know. So I've got to teach them everything. And I thought, wow, isn't that a great way for her to just put her arms around these kids and say, you're, you're going to be fine because I'm here. Everything you don't know, it's okay because I'm going to show you and I'm going to teach you. And that abundance, that feeling of abundance is what, is, is what marked her classroom. And consequently, kids, it, there wasn't a lot of disciplinary problems. There wasn't a lot of emotional breakdowns in her classroom because it, that's sort of a metaphor for how she just did everything. The reason why I'm telling this sort of drawn out story is just it, it made me think like that's something that occurred to me for school leaders to think about right now is to give their teachers permission to think about this time of year in somewhat that way, maybe not completely de-emphasizing the instructional agenda and pushing forth the behavioral and managerial agenda, but giving it more time, giving it more space in their thoughts. And I just wondered, you know, what your thoughts were about something like that. I think you're right on. It makes me think of uh, Harry Wong's book, The First Days of School, hmm. you know, and how it buys you more time. And I think especially in times like this, where the home lives of our students have been so vast. So, you know, when you think about the digital divide, you think about access, when you think about so many students who weren't even able to access the curriculum, I think it's very important that we don't take anything for granted. And I like what you said about not holding students to high expectations. So the importance of, again, not taking anything for granted and making sure that everyone's on the same page. So what do I mean by pay attention? You know, what do I mean by ensuring that focus on me? I'm not going to make any assumptions about what people know. So I'm going to start at the very bottom level, the baseline, and I'm going to build. So I'm going to scaffold. I'm going to meet the students where they are. And basically, when you were talking, it made me think of having expectations, but having expectations that are shared. So the situation is not a situation where everyone should know this, but I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to build relationships. And as I always say, you get what you respect, you get what you expect, and you get what you inspect. Mm. So when you think about respect, you know, that's very important, looking at caring, nurturing relationships, and being respectful and compassionate, caring and kind. Uh, when you think about expectations, you get what you expect. I believe that students and all individuals will rise to the level of expectation. Yeah. So if you expect much, individuals will rise to that level with support, with guidance, and then inspect. And now we live in a data-driven world. You know, we just can't keep doing the same old thing because this is how we always done things. And I think now what you said about giving educators permission and staff permission to really start and make sure you get buy-in 
and make sure that everyone is on the same page. I really like that, making sure we're all on the same page, ensuring that we're purposeful, we're deliberate in how we intervene. And uh, I think that's very valuable. Yeah, and it seems to me that when the school leaders are giving the adults permission to think that way, what I notice about schools that I'm in where leaders are thinking that way about supporting adults, it often translates directly to how adults are supporting kids. The, the idea being you, you can't fail. You can't fail because I'm going to be here to support you. You know, you're, we're, we're going to get, we're going to make sure that you're successful because the support you're going to get is going to get you there, going to give you what you need. And that, I think that's a, an, a message that often permeates. So to me, it's, it's interesting to think about that. And it, and it sort of leads me to this next question that we talked about. So we just spent some time t- talking about how we have to support students returning of all ages. And now thinking in terms of supporting adults, this is a huge time of stress for adults, obviously, in our culture. Bringing them back to instruction in new ways has ramped up the, the stress that they normally feel. So I wonder if you might talk a little bit about well, what you think the impact there is and what that feels like for um, leaders to bring back the adults as well. I think that's very important, Brett, to talk about how do we support our educators? Yes, we want to center the experiences of our children and families, but we also want to make sure that we pay attention to the lives of our educators and staff. You know, when you go on the plane, they say, put your own oxygen mask on first. And as educators, as principals, as leaders, we want to help and we want to be there, but we have to make sure that we're rejuvenated, we're replenished. And again, this pandemic has been tremendously hard. I think that we want to be patient, we want to be caring and compassionate to our students, but we also need to be caring, patient, and compassionate to the adults. Have to keep in mind of their health and their safety needs. Again, as we talked about families and children and even the incredible job losses, the death uh, due to COVID, and just the ongoing nature of the trials of going through a pandemic. I think also we need to be mindful of how can we support teachers. And one thing I can share with you as leaders is that you don't have to do it yourself. There are professionals. Reach out to your uh, social workers, your counselors, your psychologists, the whole issue of how you can be a trauma-sensitive Uh, school and uh, enlist their support. Find out what they can do, what resources and supports are in the community that not only help your children and families, but also, again, you're not being a therapist to your, your educators, but utilize the supports that you have in your building and in your district to be a resource for the educators. Because if you take care of the educators, they're gonna provide good care for children and families. So we've got to make sure we don't neglect our educators. Again, they're also dealing with being overwhelmed, uh, feeling disconnected, isolated, uh, maybe even feeling fearful and anxious and, and on the margins of going back into school. So you want to make sure that they also receive supports as well. And it's interesting to me when you're talking about the idea of having in our mindset that we have collectively gone through significant loss, grief, isolation as a culture, never mind, you know, the individuals, of course, brings to mind to me the, the experience of having loved ones who are, are mourning a loss, say, for example, a death in the family. What I learned from people who know a lot about that is what often makes people hesitant is thinking that they have to be able to fix something or have some words of wisdom 
or have some way of repairing something that has happened for someone, they either start to try and tell someone what to do to fix it, which is not good for that person, or they don't do anything because they feel inadequate in, in their responses. So they, they stop short of talking to the person because they think, oh, well, I don't want to bring it up with them again to, to sort of make them feel bad. And what I learned is that it's really the best thing to do is that does not require a tremendous amount of wisdom or insight. It's just asking people, how are you doing? And how are you doing is a question that anyone can ask and doesn't mean you have any answers. But it does simply mean you're there and you care. And I think that's probably some things for school leaders to think about in terms of supporting their staff and the adults is just asking that question a lot and, and, and asking people, you know, how, how are you doing? I, I told you before, I had an incredible experience as a principal working for an incredibly insightful superintendent. And I think every conversation that I ever had with her, she started by saying, how are you doing? You know, there was just always the things she would ask. And one thing that was very clear to me was that's what I should be doing as a leader with the people in my building. And so it seems to me that now is even greater, sort of exponentially important that leaders are asking people, how are they doing? And really caring about their answer. I think you're right on. And uh, I would also say not only how are you doing, but you don't have to, as you say, fix it. You know, you just want to let people know I'm thinking about you. You may even say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Uh, what can I do to be supportive? And again, as I mentioned earlier, you have professionals uh, that you can tap into that are very knowledgeable about resources. So letting folks know they're not alone, they're not by themselves, yes. that other people are going through what they're going through, tapping into your student support services personnel they will be happy. This is what they do, you know, of, of really helping people access services. And also there's this stigma as well of, of seeking help. There's a stigma of mental illness. And we know that the rates through this pandemic, through the racial unrest that's going on, that issues of suicide, issues of depression, anxiety has really gone through the roof, has increased in large amounts. Just letting people know that you care and that there's support and that there's help. Just checking in, the power of checking in. And again, not fixing, not repairing, not coming up with answers, but just the value of listening and letting people know, I care about you, I'm thinking about you, and uh, I want you to be better, I want you to do better. What can I do to assist? What can I do to help? So I guess that, that brings us to you know maybe some thoughts about any practical things that you might suggest for school leaders. And one I just heard you say is to think in terms of what supports are available to you and your staff that you can make use of. So the professionals who this is their job and they do know what to do. And the second thing is to check in with people in a way that's just fundamentally real, asking them how they're doing. But, but any other thoughts about practical things that we might suggest to school leaders and people who are in dis district positions to try and support this transition? This might be very simple and might seem very, it's like common sense. But as leaders, as educators, we're really invested in helping other people. And we can be very hard on ourselves. So I just want you to recognize and acknowledge that this year has been a very tough year. Over 100 years, we haven't experienced this pandemic and just the grief and loss that we're experiencing. Again, actual physical losses and then figure, symbolic figurative losses as well. But what I would say in your quest of 
wanting to do all and be all and help everyone else, try to give the same level of love, care, compassion, kindness that you extend to others, extend that to yourselves. So, so, so don't beat yourself up. You know, don't just look at what you weren't able to accomplish. But really, I think now in, in such these urgent times is to really be in the moment and show care, compassion to yourselves just as much as you give to others. So I would say, don't beat yourself up. Uh, we're going to get through this. Really try to find out, you know, what rejuvenates, what supports, who can you lean on? I, I think that's very, very vital. I think that that's such good advice, Tony, because the, the, if I've learned anything from the highest performing people that I've worked with in schools, whether it be teachers or administrators or counselors, para, paraprofessionals, whoever it is, they often are people who have spent most of their life caring for others and, and externally locating their energy um, into other people. But if they, if they have one flaw in, in, in all of that is that they usually don't care for themselves enough. I, I agree with you in that. That's uh, I think that's such sound advice to say we really got to care for ourselves to be able to be whole for the communities that we serve. And this is a time when it's so challenging for all of us, um, you know, being isolated and being at home. So and just one more thing I wanted to add to, uh, I was reading uh, Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. Basically, you know, what she talks about is we are so willing to extend ourselves to help others. And we might not think that we're being judgmental, looking negatively upon people who need help. However, if we never ask for help or never say that we need assistance, actually, we're, we're judging that we're okay and we're helping others. But, but I think it's very important for us to recognize that we need support, that our batteries get low, that we need may have feelings of isolation, of being overwhelmed, anxious. And it's very important for us to identify what are the things, who are the people that can support us, can help us be rejuvenated so that, that we can be healthy and that we can do the very best service to children and families and to the educators uh, that we're here to lead. Yes, that's powerful advice. And I think it's, it's sometimes it's um, hard. The hardest thing to do is to um, admit when you need help, you know, you yourself need help and, and reach out to others. But I think you're, you're right when you say when a leader does that, it is also positioning them differently in the eyes of the people whom they are leading. It's saying that it is okay to ask for help and I do it too. And I think that that's a really powerful message from a leader when they do that, because it shows vulnerability, which is often, you know, in the words of Brene Brown, um, she talks about how important it is to be vulnerable um, as a leader. And I think that that's one of the places that you can sort of really live, you know, the words that you're using, you can, um, you know, sort of walk that talk. So this is to me, um, one of those podcasts that we could do for hours, especially because of your tremendous expertise, Tony, and, and um, what an incredible amount of resource you provide with all of your background in this particular area. So we may continue um, in some form of this in other episodes, but this brings us to the conclusion of this podcast. Again, Focus Schools podcast called Leading for Impact, which is designed to help school and division leaders, district leaders all across the country in their support for students in every classroom every day. For our listeners, if you wish to listen to further podcasts, you can see them posted on our website, focusschools.com, which also connects to all of our social media, where we try and connect the incredible work that's going on in the schools that we serve across the country. So thank you for the listen. Thank you, Dr. Hill, for the time. We hope that your um, work as a school leader and a district leader is going well. Thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. I enjoyed this conversation. All the best.